0: Welcome to Coronation Days Past in the Isle of Man. Stories retold from the island's historic newspapers on imuseum.im by Manx National Heritage, the charity responsible for the Isle of Man's natural and cultural heritage. King George V and Queen Mary were crowned at Westminster Abbey on the 22nd of June 1911. The Lieutenant Governor of the Isle of Man, Lord Raglan, proclaimed coronation day a bank holiday and like most bank holidays, coronation day broke grey and unpromising in weather. It wasn't only the weather which Mona's Herald considered to put a dampener on the occasion. The Douglas Municipal Jubilee 10-day carnival was in full swing and threatened to steal the limelight from a coronation happening miles away in London. Fortunately, Strand Street put on a colourful show. Only one street combined for effective display. This was our oldest and chief business thoroughfare, Strand Street. The narrow old way, with its strange mixtures of new and old, high and low architectures, lends itself to decoration with bunting and flags, and in its perspective, ending in an apparent point, the vista. Under the thousands of vari coloured flags, banners, festoons, and garlands, parallel and crosswise, stirred
1: the charm of all beholders, whatever their age. In comparison, a nearby thoroughfare ought, in the newspaper's opinion, to blush for want of effort. It must be said that Victoria Street, as the chief artery, was wholly unworthy of itself. In general, The attempts at ornamentation were tawdry, if not cheap and nasty, and there was a made-in-Germany look in their run colours after the light rainfall on Wednesday evening. The corner front of the Villiers Hotel was fairly gay, but over its other vast frontages the decorations were sparse. The other hotels made no pretense with schemes of decoration. A few flags and an emblem here and there told that they knew the day if they did not rise to it.
0: Mona's Herald was equally scathing about the lack of an official Coronation Day church service in Douglas. The as-you-please services in all the churches was condemned in the smallness of the attendances and the parochial air that was over what should have been a glad and general thanksgiving tawdry bunting and empty pews were nothing, however, to the near calamity that evening, which took place on Douglas Promenade, thanks to a half a dozen rockets and a crowded pier. Three big coronation bonfires were lit on the stroke of ten that evening. They took their instant time from a a couple of rockets fired from the Victoria Pier by some members of the Rocket Corps. We witnessed the signalling and its elements of a disaster. Good luck more than good management saved the people who were in an indiscriminate group beside the official signallers. First, a half dozen rockets were brought onto the scene. Instantly, the bearers of them were grouped around by a wonder-making people at the other end of the pier shelter. There, for a time, the rockets passed from hand to hand, and one man, whose name was unsaid, and who was strongly under the influence of drink, had the holding of several of them. The risk was commented on. Then the rocketeers went across to the north side of the pier and without any precaution to keep back the public, the rockets were set off. The first made a rocketing ascent to the admiration of the bystanders. The second took a turn inland, directly it fired, and but that its course was a few feet outside the parapet of the pier, a number of those around might have been killed or maimed. But without ado... The third rocket was fired, after the same irresponsible manner, and happily went aloft.
1: Happily, too, the old folk's treat, earlier that day at Murray's Road Board School, was better organised, with transport of all kinds used to get the feast to over 600 old folk. Each meal ticket came with another ticket, to travel to and from the school by the cable and horse tramways. It was pleasing to see many of the old folk, who were thus riding for the first time in the municipal carriages, assume the dignified air of lords and ladies. The table array which met their eyes on entering the school made radiant their faces. Great piles of sliced rounds of beef, chops of lamb, mountains of cake, smoking dishes of mealy potatoes and green peas, condiments of which mint sauce was the prime mouth-waterer great dishes of pastry and fruit and an array of glasses which indicated an ad-lib supply of mineral waters or the genuine nut brown for a washdown. A lorry was driven to the homes of around 80 feeble guests preceded by town nurses in a car who dispensed a travelling feast of hot tea, lamb and beef, cakes and fruit. During the meal a telegram was dispatched to the King and Queen which said Six hundred old folk celebrating your majesty's coronation at Douglas wish you a long and happy reign. Reply was received before the evening was over, the king thanking them all for their loyal sentiments, and though unspoken, full bellies enjoyed in honour of his coronation. The feast was without stint, it was eat and come again. In Onken, meanwhile tobacco
0: was given to the aged men and groceries to the aged women and with an eye on the sky the tea and cake fray was moved from Drake Orchard to the board school. The rainy weather this day in June played a lead role in coronation programs across the island. At Peel Castle during their coronation celebrations, the three-legged race, frog race, and flower pot race were all run in the rain and children and adults, unprepared, were drenched on their way home. More tragedy! A fancy dress carnival was to have been held but the heavy rain continued and this could not take place. There were over 90 entries for this. In spite of the rain, over 30 competitors trudged up to the meeting place only to be disappointed. It is a great pity the carnival could not take place, as the costumes and the decorated bicycles were really fine. Despite the downpour, the Boy Scouts and their untiring efforts in the procession with drum and bugle and a ceremony to plant the Coronation Oak in the market place, kept spirits high, as did the profusion of bunting on the Viking House and the Railway Hotel and the royal salute of twenty-one rifle volleys. TH Cormode, MHK, at the service in the hollow facing the promenade, addressed Peel townsfolk and asked a question we might well ask now. The fact that you have sunk all differences for the time being and united in this service is significant. It proves the one thing, I take it, that you desire not only as individuals, but as a town, to display your loyalty to the throne, if I rightly interpret your feelings. What do we expect a king to fulfil in such times as these? Cormode continued his lengthy speech, praising the spiritual force of Queen Victoria and the public charity and peacemaker tendencies of Edward VII, mindful, as indeed were many in his audience. Of coronation days past, but George V will worthily maintain the great traditions which he has inherited, and even add new lustre to the crown placed on his brow today. Is not only our hope, and prayer, but also our confident belief. A coronation is a hallowing, a consecration, and as such was unquestionably regarded by Queen Victoria and Edward the Seventh, and there can be little doubt. It is regarded in the same spirit by King George and Queen Mary. And I imagine that when the solemn ceremony of consecration was being performed today, the spirits of Albert the Good and Victoria the Good and Edward the Peacemaker hovered near.
1: Ramsay and the North ultimately wore the crown in the Isle of Man that coronation day. As for Thursday's joyous festivals, they were celebrated with that heartiness and goodwill for which Ramsay and the North are conspicuous. In the parish of Andreas, despite the heavy rain and the stampede for shelter, novelist Hall Cain donated 21 shillings for the coronation festivities. The children were liberally regaled with nuts and sweets and oranges. And need we never forget the tea makers, Mrs Goldsmith and Mrs Sale, who did their work well and were complimented on the excellence of their brew. Bunting and flags, gay and variegated, bright and beautiful, were everywhere in Ramsey, including in the harbour on the gaily bedecked shipping. Impromptu poles and flagstaffs and the mottos God bless the King and God bless the Queen, fluttered down Parliament Street. At St Paul's Church, a large congregation imagined itself transported to Westminster Abbey as the Reverend Woodhouse, in clear and impressive voice, recited the identical, solemn sentences of the Great Ceremonial. At 12 noon, a royal salute of 21 guns was fired from opposite the rocket station. The programme, itself a souvenir with deep red covering, amply illustrated on the front page with portraits in miniature of the King and Queen, and those of prominent public gentlemen in their inner pages, began with the High Bailiff, Mr Cruikshank, addressing a crowd of several thousand gathered at the town offices. The town clerk, in arranging the programme, was good enough to put me down for an address on loyalty, etc. I do not know what the clerk had in his mind as to the etc, but I entirely repudiate the idea of attempting to enlarge upon such a subject to an adult Manx audience. Manx people are so essentially loyal that I am sure they would resent any attempt to preach to them upon such a subject.
0: Loyal crowd acknowledged it was time for the procession with the boy scouts in the vanguard. The scouts went off at a smart pace accompanied by the martial strains of their trumpeteers and throughout the day they gave a spirited tone to the proceedings. The Sunday schools and friendly societies followed, including the foresters who, incongruously, had many mounted men in the garb of the valiant Robin Hood. The procession, which delighted the long line of spectators who thronged the route, made its way from the market, along the East Quay, up the promenade and Balloa Road, down Waterloo Road, Parliament Street, East Street, Swingbridge, Morag... Bowering Road and vents to Parliament Square. Time on Coronation Day in Ramsey was marked also by the unveiling of the new town clock. It was the most practical and permanent commemoration of coronation year as Mr Moisey, chairman of the town board, deftly manipulated the cord suspending the flag which covered the face of the clock and thus formally unveiled it amid cheers, beating of drums and a fanfare of trumpets. A coronation is a mark of the passing of time, not only for monarchs, but for nations and the folks that witness them. The never-weary teachers in Ramsey served the children with appetites sharpened by the parade, scones, scotch buns and bun loaf. Afterwards, The schools reassembled on the marketplace and nearly 1,200 souvenir medals were distributed, including two tiny mites of but a few weeks old brought in their mother's arms to get the pretty souvenirs, which were done up neatly with red, white and blue bows.
1: Ramsey and the North boasted loyal celebrants, young and old, that coronation day. In some of the remote northern regions there are elderly people who have long exceeded the allotted span, yet who remember with pride the coronation of the great Queen Victoria, also the landing on our shores of that illustrious Lady and Prince Albert, in commemoration of which the prominent tower is a standing monument. Again, that ever-memorable visit of King Edward and Queen Alexandra in 1902 is still fresh in the minds of people, and is proclaimed by a bronze tablet on the Queen's Pier, which denotes their Majesties landing there from the Royal Yacht Victoria and Albert.
0: It was remarkable that two old gentlemen of the North, both born during the reign of George the Third, had lived under six different sovereigns: George the Third, George the Fourth, William the Fourth, Queen Victoria, Edward the Seventh, and now George the Fifth. William Corlett. Aged ninety-seven, and Edward Collins, ninety-six, were the unofficial guests of honour at the old folks' treat, having earlier that day been part of the procession as coronation day veterans, seated on Mr. Crystal's pony and trap. The gig bore a neat card upon which was inscribed, ''Ramsay's oldest veterans honour their king.'' The aged subjects of His Majesty were everywhere received with acclamation and delight, and it was evident that they immensely enjoyed the memorable day and the reception accorded them. George V's coronation day in the Isle of Man is part of Coronation Days Past in the Isle of Man. Stories retold from the island's historic newspapers on imuseum.im by Manx National Heritage, the charity responsible for the Isle of Man's natural and cultural heritage.